Hello and welcome to Healthline 3. I'm Terry Simmons. Today we're talking with Dr. Jay Howell with W.K. Bossier Surgical Associates and we're talking today about abdominal pain. And we'll be taking your calls throughout the show. And as a reminder, please make sure you're in a quiet room with your TV turned down all the way so you can hear us and we can hear your questions. And the number to call is 318-219-4569 and you'll see that across the bottom of your screen throughout the show. So Dr. Howell, thank you so much for being here. My pleasure, happy to be here. <laughs> when we were talking earlier um, about your your surgical specialty, and so do you wanna refresh us a little bit about what you do? Um, I'm a general surgeon, and uh, that encompasses a wide range of surgeries and different disease pathologies that need to be addressed in a surgical fashion. And uh, I'd probably say the most popular operation we do are uh, gallbladders. Uh, we do a lot of what they call cholecystectomies, take out a lot of appendixes, fix a lot of hernias, and in some things as complicated as colon cancer, uh, breast surgery, breast cancers, and uh, more superficial tumors of the skin and subcutaneous tissue. So it really is that general. It, it, yeah. it covers a wide range, which is, uh, which is what I like about it. Uh, certainly we are, we're very lucky in this area. We have some, some gifted surgeons who are specialists who uh, only concentrate on certain areas of the body, but uh, I, I kind of feel like I get bored easily <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I need to be able to do a wide variety of things, uh, which, which I think makes it very interesting and what I enjoy. That's really remarkable. You hear different specialties in one area, but to know, to like you said, if you do like that variety, to be able to work on every part of the body must be really, really, um, really gratifying too. To be able to know there's so many things that you can fix and, and help people with. Yes, it is gratifying, but mm -hmm. it's also uh, it, it, it's also nice to know that if I do have something in one of those specialized areas, if I've always felt like in my practice, if I if someone can do something better than me, that's who the patient should be seeing. So, uh, you know, we're lucky to, for earlier, for example, we're talking about Dr. Altman, who uh, does uh, thyroid and parathyroid surgery, much better at that than I am or would ever be. And uh, certainly I would send those patients to him. So it's nice that we have that community here uh, and those specialists available for when we run into the, those more complicated areas. That's an interesting point. If you're a general surgeon and you could, but you see something that you know that a specialist who could really be, you know, really get in there and that might be a better fit, that they, you can, I never thought about that, that you could do that and just send them to someone else. Not that you couldn't do it, but like, oh, I know someone who's really, who, this is who you need to be with. Yes, and, yeah. and some, of the, some of these operations, very difficult and complicated, and uh, it, it's better for the patient to be with someone who does this all day, every day. <laughs> And uh, you know, and that—that's what we're su supposed to be doing. It's what I feel like I do. Is uh, you want to get the patient the best treatment you can get them. Yeah, that's. It. And so you see mostly gallbladder appendicitis. Is that what you do mostly in hernias during the day? Uh, I w yes. Uh, you know, and general surgery again. The, the variety. You just never know what you're going to get. I have patients who are sent to my clinic for specific disease processes. Uh, they'll have some abdominal pain their primary physician will discover they have gallstones, they'll send them to me to get their gallbladder out. Well, while that's going on, I may have a patient come in the ER uh, with you know, possibly a bowel obstruction or uh, appendicitis, and I'll have to address those issues as well. So you just, you just never know what you're gonna get every day. <laughs> like you were saying earlier, this morning, tell us what you did this morning before you got here. Uh, this morning, <laughs> uh, I had an elderly gentleman had a cyst on his elbow, very straightforward. Just took a few minutes to get that squared away, and then followed that with a 20-year-old that had appendicitis, needed his appendix out, and then uh, had time to go home and get cleaned up a little <laughs> and come up here, as, or as much as I can clean up. 
<laughs> I thought I had a busy day doing some things, but like it's amazing that, and that's who you want. You want that person that can do, I mean, working on people's bodies. I mean, doing surgery and helping people, and that's what you do in your day, and then you can come here and talk with us, which is really, we really appreciate you taking time out of your day to do that. Sure. Well, I'm happy to do it, and I, I was lucky that uh, to be taught how to do all these surgeries. I didn't just innately know how to do any of this stuff. <laughs> it was a, a long and arduous training process, but I had some great mentors and uh, learned a lot, and uh, still learning all the time. There's there's just new technologies coming out all the time and uh, it, it behooves you as a physician to stay abreast of these technologies. Some will fall by the wayside, some will stick around, but you should know about them. Right, and I love that you were talking earlier too about the opportunity you had. You were in your hometown practicing in Natchitoches and it's a smaller town and people were going outside to Shreveport, Bossier and other areas for surgery and so you were given this lovely opportunity or sought it out and got to come here and that's when you moved here. It's like you said, okay, well I'll just meet you there. Then that's yeah. where you're going for surgery. Yeah. It, it was, you know, everybody uh, I once always had this uh, uh, feeling that I wanted to practice in my hometown where I grew up. So I love my hometown, family there and uh, the hospital had a need uh, but it was just, uh, you know, it just wasn't busy enough unfortunately. Uh, you know, I did a lot of self-reflection. Is this my fault? Am I doing a bad job? Or, uh, talked to some of my mentors who made me feel much better uh, and uh, Dr. Banda who I had trained with a couple years older than I was had a wonderful opportunity here in Bossier and I was uh, humbled and, and blessed that he called me and asked me to join that practice and uh, it just completely changed my life. I was able to provide better for my family which has always been important for me. I'd, I love my job and I love helping people but I felt like family's always been my priority and uh, I was able to, to provide better for them uh, being a very active, busy practice. I love to be busy and uh, have a great partner in Dr. Banda who's just an outstanding surgeon himself. Well, how lovely that it all worked out for you. It really, it really did. I, just better lucky than good. Yeah. <laughs> and you're not too far from your hometown. No, not at yeah. all. Still get yeah, to visit. Right. Uh, still uh -huh. get to see my mom all the time who uh, who's probably in better shape than I am. She's doing great. <laughs> She's good. <laughs> She's great. Okay. Well, we actually have a caller for you. Sure. Hi, Sam. Thanks for calling. What is your question? Uh, yes. Uh, Thanks for your program. Uh, do y'all, or your group, or do you know of a surgeon that would uh, perform the surgery for uh, that is a zinker that's in your throat? I think it, um, I don't have all the technical name, but zinker is one of the words on it. Yes, yes, I know uh, exactly what you're talking about, and uh, I do know a surgeon who provides that. And I think uh, the best way we can we can actually help you with that and help get you an appointment and schedule you, if you'll just call my office at 746-4460, I will make sure my staff has the information for that surgeon, how to get in touch with him, and we'll help schedule that appointment for you and hopefully get you taken care of. I wasn't ready to write that down. What is that number? 746-4460. Uh, That's my office at Willis Knight and Bossier, and we'll, we'll be happy to help you. Thank you, sir. You're welcome. Oh, good luck to you. So what is that he was talking about? Do you want to talk about that procedure or that condition? Uh, uh, I could talk about the condition a little bit. The procedure is uh, outside of my realm. That's where mm -hmm. we need one of these specialists for. Exactly. But uh, a zinker's diverticulum is a weakening of the musculature around the esophagus, the tube when you swallow food. Mm -hmm. The esophagus carries food from your mouth to your stomach. And there's a couple of areas where the musculature can be weakened and you can get a bulging of the esophagus, sort of if you squeeze a water balloon it will bulge around your fingers it's a bulge like that and uh, it can trap food particles and can be rather bothersome and there are some ways to get in there and get rid of that little bulge uh, 
that's about all I know about no, as far as the technical perfect. aspect of it's it. It's such a great example of what you were talking about, though, yes. you know, being a general surgeon and knowing who to call if not. And we talk a lot about how um, even if you, if you, if you, you have your doctor, you want to call a doctor, you have something, you don't really know who to call. You don't know what kind of a specialist would handle this. To just start somewhere. Call your doctor, call a general doctor, call your primary care. Start somewhere and ask someone, and chances are at least that doctor doesn't handle that. They know where to send you, especially with Willis-Knighton. Absolutely. Well, Willis-Knighton, first off, we're super uh, lucky to have so many great specialists and subspecialists in the system. Uh, it just covers the gamut of all specialties. And um, I tell my patients this all the time. I, I say, you know, I, I may not know the exact answer, but I bet I know who I can get you to who will know the answer. And I do see that sometimes. Sometimes I do have patients who come in and I'm unsure of the exact uh, way to go with that patient or the exact treatment modality, but I do know who will know and I'm able to get them to that, to that person. Right. And today we're talking about abdominal pain specifically, yes. but there's also some things before we get into that, let's talk a little bit more about where you are and the changes that have been happening there and the opportunities. Because yes, well, uh, earlier this year, and it's been in the works for a couple of years, some of my colleagues, specifically uh, Dr. Ghazi Zabari, who's a, you know, not only locally renowned or renowned in the South, but just a world-renowned uh, outstanding surgeon, one of my mentors, he's a patobiliary surgeon. They, he and uh, some of his colleagues, and some of the Willis Knight administration got together and felt that they had enough to offer uh, surgery training-wise to start their own surgery program. So they have started a surgery program. We are now training young surgeons, residents. Uh, th those are uh, people who have just graduated from medical school, decided they want to be surgeons, and they undergo the residency program to learn how to operate. So for the first time since I've been out, out of my own residency, uh, Dr. Band and myself have the opportunity to train young surgeons uh, teach them how to operate and uh, it's it's been a very different experience for me uh, I, I remember it, it's hard for me to remember when I first started operating things weren't intuitive you know now I walk in the operating room I just it's like you're reading a teleprompter I don't have to really think about it too much I know what I'm doing I'm I'm focused but uh, most of it's reflexive uh, just from having done it thousands upon thousands of times and then I have these young surgeons who uh, don't have any of that reflexivity and, and and are just learning and trying to you know learn how to properly hold instruments and things like that and I think it's I think it, even in this short time I think it's made me better because I have to explain to them how to do it and if I don't know how to explain it I probably don't know how to do the operation so it's <laughs> it's nice that I can I can uh, relive that and explain it and see them grow and become better surgeons even in just a couple of months time uh, which has been really it, it's kind of re revitalized my practice I think. It's really interesting isn't it? Sometimes we're the teacher, sometimes we're the student and then when it comes back around you're right. You do things so intuitively and you've done it so much and you really can follow your gut but when you have to tell someone how you did something it's yes. different or tell them how to do it but then you relearn it. You just stay open and you relearn it as you're teaching. It must yeah. be a really great feeling. Yeah that's a great way to put it and it is a good feeling and uh, some things uh, you know, I, I need to be probably better at my teaching because sometimes I say, look, I'm not sure how to tell you how to do this, but you just have to put your hand here and kind of wiggle a little bit, and that's how it's going to work, you know. And uh, I, will, I will certainly, I think I will get better as time continues, but uh, I know what I am good at, uh, and I feel like I'm good at being safe mm -hmm. uh, because surgery uh, is a lot like flying a plane. If, if you're not safe, you, you just have nothing. Uh, and, I, and I just stress that all the time. I'm like, you know, we're going we're gonna to do the operation we came to do, and we're going to do it safely, and then you know everything else we'll we'll just deal with. But those are our two main points, and if we can do operations 
and be safe, then we're going to be good at what we do. Right. And I think it's so important because you and I have talked about before how many you've done in your span of years, and it is intuitive, but also you're aware every time it's a brand new body, it's a brand new surgery. This is, it's new every time, and you have to stay in your moment and be safe and, and, and just realize that. So it's really interesting that you really do just stress the safety. You, yeah, know. you, you have to, and, and you're right. You know, you d I go from, I'll do a gallbladder at seven o'clock on somebody who weighs 130 pounds. Mm -hmm. I'll do one at eight o'clock on somebody who weighs 450 pounds. And even though it's the same operation, things are markedly different. There's markedly different approaches. There's all sorts of little tricks that you learn over the years that you can do to make things easier on yourself and thereby easier on the patient. All right, we have another call for you. Sure. Chip, thanks for calling. What is your question? Uh, yes, I was wondering uh, what I have a uh, steel plate that was in my leg and put in in 1979, and now I'm having problems, and I'm having a problem finding somebody that will uh, take it out or help me out. Okay. Um, well, I, I'm saddened to hear that uh, that thing is giving you trouble. It sounds like it's been in there for quite a while. That's actually uh, an orthopedic issue. Uh, I'm not an orthopedic oh. surgeon. I don't uh, deal with uh, steel plates or any bony abnormalities, but certainly uh, I would encourage you as I did the last individual. I do know some uh, gentlemen who are on our campus out there at Bozier who are outstanding orthopedic surgeons. Be happy to refer okay. you to them and, uh, and we'll help set up the appointment as well. Just 746-4460 uh, and we'll, we'll be happy to help you. Okay. Appreciate it, sir. <laughs> All right. You're welcome. And good luck. Thank you so much for calling. And so let's go into the abdominal pain now, which is the reason you're here to tell us mostly about that, which is so interesting because it's a broad subject, but then you can tell us like, when do we need to really go see the doctor? There's a different kinds of abdominal pain in stomach pain that we can identify. Oh, we have Iris on the line. Sure. Hi, Iris. What is your question? Hi there. Well, back several, it's been about 10 years. I had some polyps that were too large to be looped out and they had to do surgery. And I lost part of my colon, my large intestine, and my small intestine, and the part of my stomach that grinds food, they were all taken out. But I keep having hernias. And I have, my question is, is this normal? Do you keep having hernias or what? I've had two or three of them taken out, but um, I just have two now that have come back and um, they seem to say, let's watch it. But I was wondering, am I doing something to cause these hernias? Normal uh, No, ma'am. You know, uh, hernias, there are several different reasons why we, we get hernias, and your story is not an uncommon story for hernias. Uh, the more surgeries you have on your abdomen, the more prone you are to develop hernias. The more attempts you have to fix the hernias, the more prone you are to develop hernias. Uh, any disease process that you could have that could uh, that could uh, make it difficult to heal, such as if you're on steroids, if you have diabetes, uh, being overweight will also put you to risk for hernias. Uh, smoking is a big risk factor for recurrent hernias. Uh, but but uh, certainly I would, I would love for you, you can come by my office, I will sit down, examine you, take a look at these hernias. This is what I do all the time. Uh, I get referred to a lot of complex hernias from uh, around the surrounding areas and I'm happy to, to help uh, get this problem resolved for you and we'll give you the best advice uh, that, I, that I feel we can give you. Okay, well I would appreciate that and I thank you for talking with me. Yes ma'am, my pleasure. And thank you so much for calling. 
And so that is common. Um, why would it be? Is it because it lessens the muscle, muscular tissue? Why so many, like if you have more than one abdominal, the more abdominal surgeries you have, the more hernias you can have. Why right. is that? So the, uh, one of the main components that holds, uh, I'll just say like I talked to my patients, yeah. and I just like yeah. to talk very uh, non-scientifically <laughs> so I think everybody understands better. Uh, one of the components that holds all your guts in place is what we call fascia. Uh, which is basically gristle, like you have gristle on your steak. This is the gristle that holds things together. It, it does a great job, it's very strong, but unfortunately it has a poor blood supply. So the more you enter the abdomen and mess with that gristle, the, the less blood flow you have. You need good blood flow for healing. So the fascia doesn't heal as well as it would if you had not violated it ever. So when that has trouble healing, it's not uncommon for it to become weakened and predispose you to have further hernias. And there are, there are certainly many, many different approaches to hernias. Uh, there are a lot of different types of hernias. There are some hernias, I've fixed some that are maybe as big as a marble. Uh, about three weeks ago, I fixed one that was about this big, oh hanging down to the patient's knee. So there's a whole bunch of uh, different spectrums of hernias and this, this uh, lady that just called, uh, I, could, I could see, examine her, see what types of hernias she has, figure out the best repair for her. And sometimes I, I will tell you, we'd, I'm not sure what repair I'll do until I get in there and actually see what's going on. Sometimes there are smaller hernias that we just can't feel with exam that we don't see till we get in there and operate. So uh, I would tell her, just like I tell all my patients, I, I can't tell you exactly how I'm going to repair this, but I can tell you I'm going to do what's right, and we'll get in there and we'll fix it. And, uh, and I, I certainly run into that all the time. <laughs> It seems like with your surgery, more than not, that, that general surgery getting in there, you really don't know what you're ready for anything. Once you get in there and really see what's going on, that's when you make the decisions. And that's where your intuition really comes in well. Yeah, well, right? it's, it's good that <laughs> and, and experience uh, is super helpful. And I, I was so lucky to have such good uh, mentors and professors that train me uh, to face a bunch of whole, a whole lot of different situations. You just never know what you're going to run into. You're right. Yeah, mm -hmm. sometimes you get in there and you think you're going to go south and you end up going north. You just, you find uh, something unexpected. But luckily I feel like I've, I've been trained well enough and had enough experience that pretty much we're going to handle whatever we run into. And there's always training for the more advancements. I mean, you're always learning and training. You I know, am. Not uh, with just the experience you're building, but there's always. Yes, there's, there's always, you know, robotic surgery is real big now. I, mm -hmm. did, I did train in robotics, uh, did it for a few years. It just wasn't a good fit for my practice, so I've, I've let that uh, go by the wayside, but we, we do have some great robotic surgeons here in town, and again, every now and then I'll find something I think is better addressed with robotics, and I will send that patient uh, to those surgeons who, uh, who do a great job, and uh, we're lucky to have them. You know, and that's a really good thing to bring up, too, because we do talk about robotic surgery a lot. And so is it, is it a preference? Like if you just, you just, you did it, you trained in it, you can do it, but you like this kind of surgery the best? Yes, uh, there were, there were a, a few different reasons why I, uh, I didn't stay with the robotic surgery. I think one of the main reasons is uh, what we call turnover. Mm -hmm. When you finish operating, they have to get the room cleaned, re-sterilized, everything reprocessed, ready to go for the next patient. Uh, and it takes, probably twice as long to do that robotically. And uh, if I only had two or three operations to do a day, no problem. <laughs> but when you have sometimes as many as 10 or 12, mm -hmm. uh, it's, just, it's just inefficient. And I, I hate for patients to be waiting around all day. It, it just, 
I just it just wasn't a good fit for just the two-man practice that we have that's how I felt and about Dr. Halting that's just the thread of this here you like to stay busy you, I do. you I want like, to like you want to help as many people in the day as you can and do that I, surgery I, do. I so, like to kind of go, yeah, go 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 you yes. know that's uh, that's really remarkable and quite a gift and um, so what are the most underlying the most common underlying causes of abdominal pain that you see the most common I see is, is going to be gallbladder disease. Mm -hmm. uh, these patients commonly have uh, classic symptoms after they eat. They get upper abdominal pain, often with nausea, typically subsides within 30 minutes to an hour. Our, uh, we have a great primary care network at Bossier. They're so good at spotting this problem. The, by the time the patient gets to me, they've probably had every test they need to have. It's all done. I just need to talk to the patient about the operation and how we're going to help them. And uh, I probably do, just myself and Dr. Banda each do between 300 and 350 gallbladders a year okay. so it's pretty common goodness we have Carla on the line for you hi Carla what is your question uh, yes my husband is uh, he's had a heart transplant for 20 years and he has an abdominal hernia and it's about the size of a basketball and uh, they never went in to fix it because you know he's a transplant and he has to take the a mean sufficient uh, medication and they were afraid of an infection and we yeah with that uh, Johnson & Johnson uh, mask they were using so I was wondering because this doctor's talking about he does a lot of hernias and we just wanted to see what he thought yes ma'am uh, I understand what you're saying and I think uh, probably it's two-sided uh, being on the the drugs uh, to uh, combat his immune system puts you at a higher risk for infection. Also uh, makes it more difficult to heal up. So it could certainly put you at a higher risk for surgery. But uh, that you know, this would be something that I get referred to me all the time. I would be uh, happy to take a look at him and, and see if I thought we could safely help him. Uh, again, safety first. And uh, yeah, I would be happy to evaluate him. If you want to come by for an appointment, it would be my pleasure. Uh, yes, sir. Can you uh, tell me what your name is? I can't see it on the television. Sure. James Howell, H-O-W-E-L-L. -L. My office number is 746-4460. Okay, I'm sorry. 746-4460. 4460. And the beginning of it is 746. Yes, ma'am. Okay, well, thank you, and I'll call your office. Be happy to see you. Okay. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. And so tell us a little bit about gallbladder disease, like the clinical, the, the diagnostic work, the treatment, just the, you want to run us, oh, we have Sandra. Hi, Sandra. What is your question for Dr. Howell? Uh, yes, um, I have a, um, I have a, a daughter that has had, uh, well, actually multiple surgeries, but um, two in her abdomen and um, I have, I have to say, she has, she complains, in other words, of, uh, of not being able to have a bowel movement, you know, like for six to seven days sometimes. Uh, she stays bloated all the time, and uh, I, I don't know that she's ever been, you know, checked for gallbladder issues, but, um, but uh, you know, I'm just concerned about her... Um, because she's always uncomfortable and naturally still working, and so uh, it makes her uh, at a desk all day. And so it, that she didn't get that that much exercise actually. And maybe it's a problem. I don't know. But um, could you tell me uh, 
see that one of the surgeries was was a hernia, um, and uh, and the other one was a uh, let's see where they had to go uh, through the front to operate on her back because uh, of issues that she had. So um, anyway, I was wondering, could you tell me or advise me who she should go to? Yes, ma'am. Sure. Uh, you know the the problem you describe. Uh, there's a whole bunch of different reasons uh, we could have these issues, not all of them surgical. Uh, usually the best place to start, uh, we're, we have uh, some very good gastrointestinal physicians. There's a large uh, gastrointestinal associates, GIS group, that I would start with. That's usually the best place to start. They can make sure you don't have any type, that she does not have any type of anatomical abnormality or something that would need surgical correction. A lot of times just some dietary changes and lifestyle changes can help with these issues. But that would be the best place to start. They are they are outstanding at addressing these type of issues. Okay, could you tell me who they are? Uh, gastrointestinal specialist. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. And and where they're located? I mean. They are located in Shreveport on Greenwood Road. Oh, okay. Thank you so much. Appreciate yes, that. My pleasure. You have a good day. Bye bye. All right. And those, some of the symptoms she listed, um, speaking of symptoms, like what are the symptoms? What, what's the difference between gallbladder disease and appendicitis? Is it a different kind of abdominal pain? And does it move? Is it sharp? When do we pay attention and really go to the doctor? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of if you have uh, recurrent issues, uh, you know, everybody's gonna have a little stomach ache from time to time. But if you have something that is either uh, last a long time, if you have longevity or recurrence, those are the two things that I that I caution people about and feel like they should get checked out. Appendicitis is a disease of acuity. You're going to have appendicitis. It's going to begin to hurt, usually around the belly button, and then down on the lower right side. It kind of migrates over there over a, about a 24-hour period. Uh, and if you don't get that addressed, it gets worse and worse, and it'll eventually rupture. So that's a disease of acuity. If you have appendicitis, you're usually not feeling too well. You're not going to need anybody to tell you to go to the ER. You're going to want to go to the ER. Uh, whereas uh, gallbladder is more of the, as opposed, uh, it's more of a recurring issue. Uh, it's not so acute usually. You can certainly get a bad gallbladder attack that would cause you to go to the emergency room. But often these patients have recurrent pain after eating, nausea, usually subsides after a little while, where appendicitis is usually not going to subside. You're going to have that until something bad happens. Hopefully we can head that off before it happens. Okay. And if an append we hear this all the time, if your appendix bursts, what are the dangers of that happening? Well there's there's a lot of uh, a lot of issues that can come with a perforated appendix. Uh, one of the main problems is the, the spillage of the appendiceal content, which is going to be pus and probably some stool. You don't want that spilling into your abdomen. It can certainly make you very septic and sick. Even uh, in 2022, we still have people who die from perforated appendicitis. You would think that'd be something you just hear about in the medieval times, but it can be very deadly. And uh, that's why sometimes uh, we actually will take out an appendix. If we are very suspicious you have appendicitis, we'll go in there, and even if the appendix looks normal, we go ahead and take it out. Because heaven forbid, if you ever miss an appendicitis and somebody perforates, that patient could be in a life-threatening condition. So that's something you can just live forever without, you just Absolutely, don't. Yeah. Yes, so no. what is the purpose of appendix then? Well, they think that uh, back when we were cavemen and scavengers, uh, you know, eating uh, carry-on and whatever <laughs> we could find to eat, that it, uh, it's got a lot of lymphatic tissue in it and it helped us uh, keep from getting sick from eating those things. It helped filter bacteria from whatever we could find to eat. Uh, but that purpose has long since been served. And, uh, <laughs> 
and so it doesn't uh, really do anything but cause trouble now. <laughs> which makes sense. If it was filtering all toxins and bacteria, that's what it holds, which is why that's dangerous. It is. It, it yeah. is dangerous because the appendix, uh, once it gets kind of clogged up, uh, it will swell. It'll uh, fill with fluid. The fluid will get super infected, and it's just an ugly condition. Yeah. But luckily, uh, treatable with laparoscopy, three small incisions, maybe takes 20 minutes if it's a difficult one, mm -hmm. and uh, usually home either later that day or the next day. And the recovery is just from the actual surgery, right? So it's just uh, yeah, it's not too bad at all. Yeah. The recovery just. Uh, just probably a few days of feeling a little sore and then you can kind of start getting back to your routine. Mm -hmm. And so, and gallbladder, different. It can sneak up on you, it can happen, it comes and goes. Is there anything where it flares up? Is it eating that makes it flares up or food or? Usually the classic story is fatty or greasy foods. Okay. The gallbladder stores bile. When you eat something fatty, it squeezes a little bile into the intestine to help you digest the fats. So when you eat something fatty and the gallbladder tries to squeeze, there's stones in the way, it swells up, it gets angry makes you angry <laughs> and uh, then you feel poorly uh, until that subsides. <laughs> and gallstones, like what are they made of? How do they come about? Why, why is that something that forms in the Well, you know, there, there's uh, a few different types of gallstones. Um, what happens is the bile is made up of three different components and if one of those components gets a little out of whack, the, uh, you'll begin to precipitate stones and the stones will get bigger and and uh, eventually become large enough to cause trouble. Okay. And so there's, so you can, can someone, if it's mild and they have gallbladder trouble, they can go on for a very long time or? Some people yeah. can't, some people just live with a bad gallbladder. They'll yeah. just got it, you know, especially some of the older generation, mm -hmm. they'll be like, you know, I just got used to this belly pain. <laughs> I've just had it for 30 years, you know, and then, that, and, I, and then we have some patients who are extremely sensitive to it. They get one attack, they, they're ready to come in for surgery. Okay, so speaking of abdominal pain and all of them we talked about, um, what is something that you'd like to leave us with today? Well, I think uh, a couple of things. Number one, if, if you're having recurrent abdominal issues, uh, you need to see your doctor. There's just such a wide range of things that this could be and we're lucky in this community we have a great healthcare community here and if most of the physicians are like I am, if they can't find the answer they'll find somebody who can and uh, I think that the mostly prevention is the best cure. You know you want to get that gallbladder out before you have a terrible attack or have a gangrenous gallbladder or any of these awful other issues. You want to get these things taken care of before they get out of hand and I think that's prevention is the best treatment. Prevention, don't be afraid to ask. Don't be no. afraid to go in and, and see, and don't be embarrassed, you're afraid it might not be anything. If you have pain that's giving you discomfort, then go see about it. I okay. would, I would, yes, absolutely. All right, thank you so much, Dr. Howell, it's been a pleasure. Yes, ma'am, thank, thank you. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you next time on Healthline 3.